I'm going to use that at any time somebody overcomplicates a problem. Yeah, I just go, just heat the warehouse. Just heat the warehouse. Take off the gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very welcome along to the SESI staff room. Now the SESI staff room aims to be a half an hour or so program. We've kind of gone a bit longer than half an hour, but we have broken those longer uh, episodes into chapters. Um, we aim to be a digital staff room for teachers. Um, something, the content of the SESI staff room tends to be generated by teachers. Uh, this month, or October just gone, was Cyber Security Month, to give it its full title, European Cyber Security Month. Um, and we have a few episodes in line with, with cyber security. This particular episode, although not technically cyber security, I feel has a cyber security twist to it. Now, I had great fun recording it because, number one, it's a very interesting topic, and number two, it's with my uncle. Hanny is now retired, but I'll let him explain more about that, but he's also a keen writer. Now, I don't know how fond he is of me calling him a blogger, but he does write some very, very interesting blog posts, and I would recommend, if you get a few minutes, definitely have a dive in at www.digitalramblings.blog. Uh, the post we're going to be talking about today is Cybersecurity of the Mind. Now, this is a title that got my attention straight away because of the cybersecurity twist to it. Now, although Hanny will admit, and he does during the interview, he does say that it's not technically cybersecurity, although I do feel uh, with the privacy that we're giving away, there could be a security aspect to it as well. Uh, some of the things we spoke about is how do you deal with um, uh, the social media with students, and we came to the conclusion that it's not too late and just make your students aware of the information they're giving away. Now, I started off the interview by asking Hanny where it all began. Difficult to know where to start. Uh, let me say, after my PhD in computer science, I spent really my career at Hewlett Packard, 30 years at, at Hewlett Packard uh, at HP, mainly the last maybe 15, 20 years of those. Uh, in online or digital space. And I have to remember uh, it, those were the early days, nascent days of uh, online and, and digital. I have to remember that this is really new stuff. Uh, and I was really privileged to be able to start working uh, in, in those days uh, before the term social media was coined. In fact, uh, probably half the new roles of today did not exist uh, back then. Uh, so we experimented in what they called, uh, we called at the time Web 2.0, and I found it fascinating, fascinating how this digital world completely scrambled the way uh, we engage with each other in society, how we engage with, uh, with businesses uh, themselves, how we changed the balance of power from the brand to the user. Uh, and uh, it was all new. It was all new. And it was really fascinating. Um, and I retired about uh, maybe four or five years ago from, from HP and I uh, became kind of independent consultant uh, working for a digital agency also around in, in the digital space uh, as a senior advisor. And I give a little uh, talk in a, in a course at uh, GCSP, the Geneva Center for Security Policy. Now, and Hanny, said, yeah. you've, you've, you've mentioned you've gone through everything from work to retirement. 
and you've you've missed a very important um it's the reason you're here you're also a blogger <laughs> so, so accept it stop denying it <laughs> Own yeah. it. A, a, a blogger in my spare time but uh, not a very what do you call it don't blog a lot but i, I do once in a while that's true <laughs> thank uh, you for the reminder as a blogger you don't mention it enough and you don't i think you should because i think your blog is very good and i think the blog is a very very easy read so digitalramblings.blog is the address so pick it up <laughs> throw it in throw the address into your ipad and read it i i definitely think it's worthwhile which brings me around to why you're here so one of <clears throat> my favorite blog posts is cyber security of the mind and the the image, the opening image is error 404 and anybody out there in schools knows exactly what error 404 is and democracy not found. Now, with it being European Cybersecurity Month and you putting up a post cybersecurity of the mind, my mind went straight to, okay, we've locked down our computers, we've locked down our passwords, we've locked down our networks, now what? So your your blog post, Cybersecurity of the Mind, expand on that for us a little bit. Mm. Well, first, thank you very much for the kind words uh, on, on the blog. Uh, um, <clears throat> so Cybersecurity of the Mind, I'm, I'm cognizant that this isn't technically cybersecurity, but used a little bit in tongue-in-cheek manner. Uh, it, it really is uh, to catch people's attention today of the way that our minds are being manipulated. Uh, and it is a security breach as far as I'm concerned, but one that is perfectly legal and one that is hiding in plain sight. And people are not really aware of, of the kind of pernicious impact of social media in, in general, Facebook in particular, especially these days, it's a lot in the, in the news about the way uh, we are being manipulated and, and the way we're being pushed in, in certain directions, being polarized. Uh, and uh, this is a serious breach that I wanted to highlight, that I wanted to make sure that people are, are aware that, okay, maybe this is not about password protection, this is not about systems of protection, but it is maybe arguably about the most important system there is, the, the, the human mind. So that's really what was behind that, that title itself. So straight away, you, you, you had me hooked from, and I, I said offline that I wasn't going to read from the blog. And I won't, I won't, I won't, because I want people to go to it. However, <laughs> uh, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of things uh, that I just, like the opening line, there's been a serious breach in security, one that is not only going, but is also being done completely legally. Now. Expand on that. Who? How? Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me maybe take a, take a step back to really fully under, understand the context of this. Um, and, and bear with me here. When I try and say that in any kind of business relationship, you've got, and maybe 
kind of broadening here a little bit, but you have a producer, you have a product, and you have a consumer, customer, right? I mean, I was, I was HP, HP was the producer, the product, well, we did many products, but let's say it was a printer, and the customer was you and me buying the product, the printer from uh, the producer HP and paying HP <clears throat> for that product or, or service. If you take that kind of tripartite agreement, that model, and apply it to a company like Facebook, and the three roles apply, but they're not in the way we think they are. Uh, so Facebook would be the, the producer. Uh, the product that Facebook is producing is our attention. So they're selling that attention, that product to advertisers. Advertisers are willing to pay somebody to get our attention so that they can put their product and service in, in front of us. So in that relationship, we are not the customer at all. Uh, the ones paying a, a Facebook uh, are the advertisers. <clears throat> In that particular scenario, we are really the product. It's our attention. And so to make our attention valuable to the customer, the advertiser, Facebook needs to make sure that we're always there when needed. Our attention is always there. Uh, plus, it also needs to make sure that um, it's able to really match that particular attention uh, that particular need to the advertiser. So depending on what you're advertising, you're ready to pay more to get a targeted person looking at your, at your ad. So to do that, what does Facebook need to do is to make sure that you're always online, right? You're always there. So it puts in place uh, techniques that are really addictive techniques uh, taken from the world of gambling and, and, and otherwise. And these are things that are actually not, not new, but being uh, exposed by X, uh, Facebook, Google, et cetera, employees to keep, to keep you engaged, right? That ping about uh, uh, a notification coming, it's very difficult to resist. Uh, uh, the number of likes, you're always going back to see how many likes you've had, you know, how many uh, people have seen your post, how many engagements uh, uh, you've had. So those are all ingrained in, in that mm. to make sure that you are always uh, coming back. And then as we're using it more and more, uh, we're really giving a lot of ourselves, our data to, to Facebook or any other social media. And in this way, they, with this huge trove of data, they can really infer and analyze us and get to know us better sometimes than we know ourselves. So they're able to micro-target us. And when they start micro-targeting us, they're able to then understand us and really start predicting what we're going to do. And I give the example in my, in my blog post about Amazon uh, trialing out to send out, to start shipping uh, products before you even order them because they know you want to be. Uh, and uh, how is the first, the first thing on the surface of it, all of that seemed really good. So I'm, I think that's amazing. Uh, Amazon knows that I'm going to run out of batteries. Uh, 
And before I run out of batteries, in its simplest uh, term, uh, some more batteries land on the post. Um, that uh, surely, surely that's a good thing. Um, so uh, there, there is that point. And th there's the other point that what are, this technology of targeting, targeting us has been around for a long time. Like uh, the, the big warehouses or the big sheds in the States did it all the time. There's that old, mm -hmm. that story, the father that discovered his daughter was pregnant before she even knew based on her purchase habits or based on the credit cards habits. So how, what, th there's, there's been a line that's crossed is the point I'm getting at. Whereas yeah. we kind of went targeted ads, fair enough. They're watching our buying habits, credit cards, banks. Talk, talk yeah. to us about the line that's now yeah, crossed. Sure, sure. You, you're absolutely right that it's been, uh, it's been around for a, a long time. What is new today is the depth with which they know us and they are able to analyze our actual personalities, uh, the way we're going to vote, uh, what we're going to be doing next. And then they're able to kind of nudge us in one direction or, or another. So I have two aspects to that, to that question. Uh, first of all, as simply a case of privacy, right? Irrespective of <clears throat> what is done with that, with that data. Uh, I think there's a breach of, of privacy. Uh, now, you may at that first level, it's nice to know that you know, I like bicycles, so I'm going to be shown ads on, on, on bicycles. Uh, fair enough if it stays on, on, that, on that level. And fair enough because you understand and you're willing to accept to say, I'm going to give away a little bit of my privacy because I'm going to get that in, in return. But actually, it, it goes a lot, a lot deeper than that. Uh, but even in this, even if it doesn't go any, any deeper than that, I think there's something to be said about this invasion of, of privacy as per se, as, as such. Because some people I hear say, well, look, if you got nothing to hide, then it doesn't, doesn't matter. But actually privacy is a right and a right to be defended. Uh, and that is why we've got, you know, rooms, uh, closed doors. Uh, it's a right to, to, to have some, some privacy. If I told you that in an imagined world where, for example, governments know what you think and are able to uh, kind of nudge you and, and, and dictate you, this would kind of give you and know what you're going to do next, uh, for example, that would give you kind of images of KGB and Stasi in, in, in East Germany. Well, it's a situation we've got today, except it's not the government, it's mm. a private enterprise that is motivated by pure profit. Okay, that's, that's from the pure privacy perspective. Remember, privacy is a right to be defended, and you need to know when it is being invaded and to what level you want to agree upon. Because a lot of people know about the, the, the bicycle and being shown uh, the other bicycle uh, ad, but actually it goes a lot deeper. And this is where I want to say the difference from 20, 30, 40 years ago, where you'd say, if you read The Economist, you'd be that kind of demographic. Mm. So we're going to put an ad in that, in, in that magazine for that kind of demographic um, is now 
down to the nth level and nth degree uh, with very few clicks, uh, you're able to understand uh, your gender, your sexual orientation, your political inclination without you ever having to say it. Uh, and by tracking you, they're able to really understand a lot more than what you're giving away. So if I just give an example of uh, location. So let's say every day uh, at eight o'clock, I, I leave a particular address and I go to a particular address. And every day in the evening, I leave that one and I go back to that first one. Then it becomes easier to say, to infer that must be the home address of Hani mm. and that must be the work address uh, of Hani. So already without you having said anything, we can infer where you live and where you work. Let's say just for the sake of an example, I'm going uh, on particular days in the middle of the day, going to another, uh, another address on a regular basis. And that address happens to be, I don't know, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, group meetings are, aha, Hani works here, lives here, and um, goes to an AA meeting. So maybe there's some things we know more uh, about him than what I have actually uh, said. And they say it's anonymous, yes. You can argue, how do they know it's, it's Hani? But I live in a house, there are two people living in this house. And um, it's very easy to kind of uh, yeah. infer who, who that person is. So all of that level of detail is really very scary because once you know your personality and, and, and who you are, it becomes easy to predict what you're going to do next. And then it becomes easy to nudge you towards what you do next. And what happens is um, we, we go, we're going down silos and become, become polarized. Uh, a lot of it is due to this algorithmic approach of, of the news feeds. You, you mentioned some very good points. So you go to you go to work, but you don't tell anybody what it's called, but it happens every day at nine o'clock. So assumption, well, that's work. Um, you go home, assumption, that's work. You go to a place at three o'clock. Now, that's your, you have decided to lock down as much as you can with your location sharing, for example, and all of that. However, I might not lock down my location sharing. And the three o'clock, the mid place, I might meet you, and that happens to be a coffee shop. So therefore, the assumption is made that every day at three o'clock, Hanny, even though he doesn't share any uh, location data, goes for coffee. Yeah. And that's information that you are leaking, but it's not you, it's me. Exactly right. That's a, that's so, exactly right. So to your point about I don't mind being shown ads of products that I like, fair enough, but most people have no idea about that level of, of detail of, of data that they're giving away about themselves. Uh, and if they knew, um, I mean, they think twice before sharing that, uh, that data. People will often turn around to me and they'll say, ah, it's okay. And I'm a bit, not blasé about it, I'm a bit, my privacy is important. I know it's important, but I give it excuses and that's all it is. And it's an excuse. So I need to be on Facebook because I need to do, I need to publicize a thing for work. I need to be on Twitter because I need to publicize a thing for what I work or, or, or mm -hmm. whatever. So I kind of go, ah, sure, all right. 
But that's not the case. It's, it's that, ah, it'll be all right. And it's not just me. There's loads of people in my situation who go, do you know what? It's fine. It'll, it'll be all right. Um, so how, how, how do we secure our minds? Knowing that we're so deep in, mm. to, 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 we're so deep down in the silo, to use your own phrase. Yeah. How, how do we, we mightn't get back to the top, but how do we level out? How do we mm. be aware? How yeah. do we secure our mind? So I think, you know, just to a point you, you, you mentioned, uh, you may be having two hats when you use Facebook. An example you gave uh, Hassan. One could be as a customer of Facebook. And of course, I understand. I mean, Facebook is an incredibly efficient way to adver advertise your product. Uh, but there's a price to pay. Mm. And the other role is as uh, a user of Facebook, which what I would call as a provider of, of, of product, your attention to, to, to Facebook. And that's a huge price to pay. Uh, so the first, the first point to me about securing all this is to be aware, to be aware of, of, of what's going on, to understand that business model that I, that I mentioned, really grasp that you're not a customer, uh, that you're going to be used, and to understand that Facebook is a private entity. I, I use Facebook, okay, but yeah, I'm mentioning Facebook, but it's also other you know, social media, but just Facebook is the most, most influential, most powerful social media company out there with over 2 billion users per, per month mm -hmm. and has really a nefarious impact on a lot of social activities and, and, and democracies. And it's been linked to uh, Myanmar uh, uprisings and, and Brazil. And there are so many uh, examples of the way it's, it's you know, influenced um, elections. Uh, so and understand that, that relationship and understand that it is a lot, you're giving away a lot more than you think you are uh, because of that, that big data. Once you know that, once you understand that, uh, you want to relook at everything you've been using as, as default and be able to uh, look at all those settings and, and default settings and change them change into what you think is, is, is best for you uh, and start minimizing that, that use to, as, you know, to as, as little as possible. So for example, um, location tracking, I switch it off. Yes, it's nice to have uh, location tracking when you're looking at a weather app to tell you the weather where you are. So you don't have to type, you know, Dublin, Castlebar, or, or whatever, but that's convenience. Write it, write it down, because that location tracking of that weather app is going to be your 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 location is going to be sold to data companies or data brokers, and they're going to be selling that to other uh, companies too. So beware of that. And does we're going down the rabbit hole of, of location. Um, and again, I, I'm going to have to echo what you said about Facebook. There's loads of social media out there all selling. It's just Facebook is by far the most efficient at it. Um, so just the location thing. So I turn off location on my phone. Um, 
So now when I automatically check the weather, I need to type it in. Surely when I type it in, they have my location. So all I'm doing is stopping one. No, no, because you can type in location anywhere, right? You okay. want to find the weather anywhere. It doesn't have to be where you are. Uh, but just tracking it, I, I realized a couple of years ago that actually when you put your, your phone on airplane mode, the mm. GPS is still functioning. Yeah, yeah. The GPS chip is still functioning and it's still tracking you when, when you're on airplane mode. Uh, so think about the convenience that you're getting out of those devices and those services and the price you're going to be paying for that convenience. Add a little friction to it. So another example is to, I minimize Google. I minimize as much as I can. I don't use Internet Explorer, um, Google Chrome rather. Uh, and I use DuckDuckGo as my search engine. Uh, you basically want to kind of minimize as much as possible. We've gone down, we've, we've, how do we secure it? And I think your message is very clear and it's more so about, if we think about securing it, if we go, I must secure it, I believe we've, we're, we're, it's an uphill struggle. However, if we say, I must be aware, I think that's the first step. Be aware. Yes, and I don't want to be a Luddite and throw, throw the baby with the bathwater here. Um, but the last example I want to give in terms of kind of securing is around that business model. Right now, personally, the choice I made is I'm going to pay for my applications. You know, there's no such thing as a free app. There's no such thing as a, as a free lunch. You're paying for it far higher price than what you'd be paying uh, monetarily. So I look at apps. If I like the app, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to encourage app makers, uh, app developers uh, in, 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 their, in their work. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when Microsoft Word or Microsoft Office cost 800 francs, 800 euros. You know, that's a huge amount. Now I'm bulking at an app that costs three francs yeah. or three, three euros. Um, beware, of course, as the, you know, the, every euro here and there adds up at the, end of, uh, at the end of the year. I want to talk about the technology that has got us to this point. So you mentioned there's a couple of things, and I hopefully I'm not butchering your quote, technology is answering questions that haven't been answered yet. And then I have here, digital technology is unique in three respects. Number one is, it's a solution searching for a problem. Can you expand on that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, digital, <clears throat> usually, usually um, in, in life, you, you have a problem, and you look for solutions to solve that problem. So I don't know, <clears throat> farming maybe in the days when you had you know, horse-drawn uh, carriages and uh, you think, you know, maybe if I mechanize this, it'll go faster uh, and be more productive. Uh, but what's happening today in, in unique in digital technology is because you can, engineers, mm -hmm. we're one of them, right? We'll, we'll do it. Uh, so you, you do because you can, and then you're looking for where to apply it. So I've given an, an example on speech recognition, and as an example, I, I, I found when I was doing my research on, on speech recognition years ago, um, there was an example in the, in the research on 
um, where do we apply that, that, that speech uh, recognition mechanism? And someone thought of using a warehouse in a postal warehouse where there are conveyor belts and you punch in a zip code uh, and the parcel goes in the right in the right direction. The problem was that in the winter, the warehouse is not heated and workers using gloves would generate errors on the zip code. And so we'd have to kind of do a lot of um, rehashing and trying again. So they thought that would be a great you know, opportunity to use speech recognition. You add a little microphone and you say the zip code and the parcel go in the right direction. To cut a long story short, they discovered that actually that it was a lot cheaper and easier to heat the warehouse, remove the gloves, <laughs> on the, the, the code. And that's the kind of example I'm, I'm going to give by. We have, a, we have a solution, but what is it we're trying to solve again? Wow. Uh, and that is very typical in, in digital technology. All right. I I, th I just think it, it's it's an intriguing it's an intriguing way to come at it. So I didn't realize that that's it's cheaper to heat the warehouse. In I'm that gonna, example, yeah, I, I was, I'm going to use that. It's cheaper, just yeah, heat, heat uh, the warehouse. Let them take off their gloves, and it's a lot you know it'd be a lot more accurate than putting in. Uh, and and there are many examples like that. They do it, and then they find an application uh, for it. It's not I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to use that at any time somebody overcomplicates a problem. To me. I just go just heat the warehouse. Just heat the warehouse. Take off the gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next? Um, is it too late for us? Uh, no, I, I, no, I, I don't think I don't think I don't think it's it's too late, and and I think uh, you know. We've been taken by surprise by this for sure, and and I think uh, even even the founders of those companies have been taken by surprise because the second unique characteristics I find of, on digital technology after a solution waiting for a, a problem is that it morphs into directions that have not been by design, right? So. Uh, you know, Twitter was designed to tell your friends what you had for breakfast. Uh, nobody would have thought. I mean, if you had told me back 2008, I think uh, that it, it would be the you know the main source of information from the U.S. president. Uh, that I laughed my head off. Uh, so everybody's been taken by, by surprise. So I think it's not too late. I think there are things that we can do on our side as, as users. It's kind of raising awareness taking control of, of, our, of our devices and social media, understanding that this is all about getting you addicted to the screen, getting you back and back on the screen and, and manipulating you. So once you're aware of that, you look at the settings, you look at um, what you can do yourself, you pick applications, you pay for them rather than uh, have them free. And they're also a big role to play for governments. Uh, as well to be able to regulate this because they're not going to regulate themselves uh, and so anything we can do to help uh, governments in that respect uh, do a little bit of activism uh, as well I think it'll, it'll help not too late it's late but not too late and that that's um, that answers the last question which is uh, some good practices so you're saying just be aware lockdown where you can lock Don't down use default 
the defaults of, of your applications. Understand that if an application is free, you're paying for, for it with your privacy and your data is being used and sold elsewhere and then used back against you. So understand that uh, and um, minimize as much as possible as, as these, these applications like, uh, like Google and, and so forth. That I have switched from a personal perspective. I have switched completely from WhatsApp. I switched, took off WhatsApp. Uh, uh, I deleted my Facebook account. Uh, but again, I don't want to throw the baby with, with the bath. Mm. But make sure you are in control uh, of, of all of this and not be in being controlled. I think, yeah, I, th I think that's a good approach. I think that's a great approach to speak to students about. Um, look, at, we're, we're not saying don't use that app, or but just understand what information you're giving out. So understand the risk. Um, and I use the, the- Understand, sorry to interrupt, understand yeah. that you're giving away a lot more than you think. Yeah. Um, but the kids don't care, honey. <laughs> um, like whatever notion I have about caring a little bit and doing my best, they, they don't. Like they have no- Yeah, I understand. I mean, that's also- understandable as, as kids in, in general. You and I also didn't care about their different sets of, of, of yeah. issues. Uh, but I think at least, at the very least, let them really be aware of, of what's going on uh, under the surface. Let them be aware. And they might say, I don't, I don't agree now, but let them know that in a few years time, you're going to be applying for jobs and what you're giving away here is going to be for everybody to see. Understand that anything you put is there forever. And there are so many examples of court cases where things are coming out uh, in email that people have thought have been kind of uh, uh, gone away. And then obviously that's the role of parents and, and, and teachers too, to guide and to, you know, to put you on the, on the right path. And I'm not saying it's, it's easy, it's a tough job on you guys. <laughs> uh, and um, then to be a parent, <laughs> you know, when the kids are, are are older now than being a parent of a young kid uh, today, for sure. The yeah, thanks, are, thanks, are, Annie. Thanks. Yeah, I don't. I like. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I see Jake, and I, I see him. I have. I will say Alexa, for example. I don't. I don't have her here now. Yeah. Um, she's she's downstairs, and I I'll without even thinking, I'll go turn on. Yeah. Play the song Dinosaur ABC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you fall over when you see him walking over and going, Alexa, yeah, hey, yeah. and you're going, oh, no. No, <laughs> no but They're... even, uh, you know, even in, in, in my case, so it's, you know, you know uh, our kids are millennials uh, now, but, uh, you know, I used to call them my, my test lab uh, because uh, <laughs> I learned so much from them, from the way they engaged with, with technology and, and the two and a half difference between them. Uh, really was a big difference in technology terms because uh, they came of age a little bit when all of that came, came together yeah, yeah. In, in the early early 2000s uh, uh, and I, st I still learn from them they're still always there telling me the, the, the latest trends and I test things out with them see what they think so yeah they'll be your teachers too uh, and, uh, uh, Hani thank you very much and again uh, 
look, I really appreciate you coming along. Um, if anybody wants to catch or read your blog, it's digitalramblings.blog. Is that, is that right? That's correct, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm just looking through, I mean, I don't know how long it takes you to write each blog post, but it must take you just as long to come up with the titles. Hanny, the titles are amazing. <laughs> Hanny, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, thank you, Hasan. My pleasure, my pleasure, anytime.